Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Wealthy Speaker Show. Today, we have my client, futurist and economist, Andy Bush, back with us. Welcome back, sir. It's great to be here, Jane. <laughs> hey, there's really not much for us to talk about now, is there? <laughs> Holy smokes. It seems like every 24 hours, something changes. If that. Changes. So, okay. Well, first, let me just hear you were just telling me what's going on in your own speaking business. So talk about what's current for you right now in terms of speaking. Yeah, I mean, it's been an amazing uh, couple of years now, but um, certainly this fall has been the busiest I've been in since I've started the business way back with you a long time ago. And I think the combination of so much uncertainty out there over what's going on, not only with the economy, but also a demand for clients to really see into the future is really driven a lot of the demand for what I do. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, what I do is so unique as opposed to futurists or other people like that, because I talk about the economy, but I really look at like trends that have been supercharged under COVID, but then I do a case study. Mm. on this industry, whatever industry I'm I'm speaking in front of right. um, and showing them the growth opportunities. I usually do five to seven growth opportunities there. And um, it's really unique. I don't, I mean, maybe there's some people that do that, but I don't see anybody who is doing that currently. Very unique. And also something that when we have our next coaching call, people should be paying a lot more for. <laughs> 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 so we'll be talking about raising your fees again, my friend. Um, so I call you the great calmer downer. We've had you on the show a number of times at the beginning of COVID, even before that. But really, there is a lot of news that could really be frightening some people right now. And I just want to say, you know, let's just be clear that the news networks want your viewership. And so they tend to try to alarm us with what's going on. This is happening and this is happening. And so really be aware of what you're consuming when it comes to things like this. But we've got recession, we've got inflation, and we've got pandemic turned endemic. Let's talk first recession. Are we in a recession right now? Um, some of the key indicators of recession are not actually happening like unemployment, right? Right. And so unemployment is a trailing indicator. So we don't really look for that for telling us anything about the economy okay. um, in, in the sense of where it's going. So from that standpoint, you can also look at it, the fact that many companies are still hiring because they couldn't get the workers before. So now they're playing a little bit of catch up. Right. Um, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, again, that doesn't give a glimpse into the future. So what I would say is this, you know, as far as the recession goes, I put some probabilities on this because I just don't think people do that enough. So I would say there's a 65% probability that we'll be in a recession in the first half of next year. I look at this because of the dramatic slowdown in a lot of the things that are going on in housing. I look at the incredible cost of capital going up because of Fed raising interest rates and the fact that inflation is not coming off rapidly. So the tightening of the fiscal screws, as it were, to slow things down is going to continue. 
Okay, so you're saying first quarter potentially or first, first, yeah. first or second quarter. And right. is it true that historically recessions last just under a year? Is that right? You know, it's hard to say when it comes to recessions. Like they last the there's a group in the United States, the NBER, that officially classifies these things. And so it's the rule of thumb is two quarters of negative GDP growth. Well, we already had that in the first half of this year in the United States, but it was generated by inflation. I don't want to get too far into that, but basically what you need to also see is a a fairly large tick up in unemployment. And that will tell you, like, if we went from three and a half percent to four and a half or five percent, while the economy slows or goes negative, then people would consider that a recession. Um, And let me clarify just really quickly on this recession. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think we have to slow down because of inflation and the cost of goods. It's like a big catch-up period because we've been firing on all cylinders for so long. And then we had the Ukraine war, which kind of blew up literally uh, the Ukraine economy along with the Russian economy. And so we've been struggling with supply chains and other things like that. So we'll get through that, but we need to slow down in different parts of the economy to have that catch-up period. Okay. So you're not saying it's going to be like this horrible, horrible event. And I've been on a news cleanse lately because I was getting myself all worked up. So, <laughs> but I did happen to catch a Congresswoman, uh, Katie Porter, talking about what she believed was cause for inflation, which was, it came down to corporate greed. What say you? What say you regarding corporate greed? Now, I know you have to be careful because corporations might want to hire you to speak. So this is where we walk the fine line between uh, what's real and... I would caution anyone who listens to a politician to get an economic understanding. Okay. They always have an agenda. Let's just put it that way. I'm not familiar with that House of Representatives, that Congresswoman, but I would say just... You know, the stats were something like this, that normal inflation at the corporate level for products would be around 17%. And I could be getting this a little bit wrong. And right now it's 54%. And you know what, Andy, I have no problem. I have no problem believing that some of the companies just said, ooh, we're going to capitalize on this. Everybody thinks it's inflation. So we're just going to blame it on supply chain when it's really not. That would be if they could raise prices aggressively. Yeah. And that's where the rubber meets the road on certain things. I mean, if you go down that avenue, then you're going to criticize Apple, Google, every major technology company because their margins are big compared to the rest of the world. You but go they into- than they were before is the question. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, what's an acceptable rate of return? Is that the business of politics to tell what corporations a reasonable rate of return is? I don't think so. Your business as a politician is to make sure the conditions are met, that the country grows, that uh, that employment is encouraged, you know, and of course, that we don't get out of control inflation. They created a lot of the problems that we have, politicians did, by spending a lot of money in a really short period of time. And then they had the central bank cut interest rates and engage in quantitative easing at the same time. And then honestly, we had all sorts of problems with supply chain because of China you know, shutting down because of COVID, we shut down, Canada shut down, Europe shut down, and then we have the Ukraine war. So, you know, I mean, like if you can criticize, the last thing you want to do, and this is where you get in big trouble as a politician, is you can look at oil companies and energy companies and go, huh, 
those people are making a lot of money. They shouldn't be doing that. We need to tax them more. And what's end up happening is you exacerbate the problem. In other words, if you want to encourage more development, right, more oil out there or more natural gas to reduce prices in gasoline and things like that, you don't tax it. You actually do the opposite. You're trying to get people to produce more for a period of time and not discourage it. So again, sorry, I didn't want to get up my soapbox there, but you have to be really careful looking at politicians trying to. Oh, I just thought made such good sense to me. Yeah, I thought, okay, maybe we need to look at this. And so thank you for your take on it. That's a balanced approach. And I appreciate that. So COVID, and I do want to say something about recession or not recession. If we are clear on the value that we're bringing to the table, we can be of service to our clients no matter what. And we found that out in the most severe case, which was COVID. The very beginning of COVID, if you were able to recognize, hey, wait a second, I have something of value for my clients right now to help them get through this situation, you were of service through the whole thing. And I know that that happened with you. You were able to really steer your clients through COVID, were you not? With your, you know, because you had actually studied pandemics before even. You wrote a book about it, didn't you? Right. And I think that was the amazing thing. I mean, to me, it's not surprising that my business is really taken off right now. I wrote a book back in 2007 that I like to tell audiences that no one read, right? <laughs> but the first, the, what was the book called? called? World Event Trading. And the first five chapters are an infectious disease outbreak and their impact on the economy and markets, right? It didn't like, and that came out during the global financial crisis. That's why nobody read it, right? So they didn't think, oh, this is important, right? Kind of right book, wrong time. <laughs> exactly. And now if you think about it, what were the topics that I covered? Not only infectious disease outbreak, but war, elections. You I mean, all of these are happening today simultaneously. So like, that's the thing, like, as speakers, we always have value to bring. You just have to like find out, you have to look at your clients and go, what obstacles are they trying to overcome? What challenges are they trying to overcome? And then help them with those challenges. It's not just about the content that you deliver. Yes, of course. But if you can help them, that's where you really get hired a lot. And that's where you can really grow your business. Yeah. So a good question to ask might be, how can what's going on in the world how can I serve them, help them solve a problem during this time and line it right up? Maybe there's a new speech that you add to the mix, you know, how to recession proof, blah, blah, blah. I think that would be really helpful. Talk about, you're the first person that I heard say the word endemic, and I didn't even think about it, but is that the end of the pandemic when we're in that stage? Is that how it got named? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way it works. What we wanted it to be, and this is what I was telling clients for the last two years, is like starts off as a pandemic, then it becomes endemic, which means it's always with us. And then it becomes more like the flu, which is exactly what this has done. You know, it's still, it's a horrible flu. It will continue to create a lot of mortality, but we have like the world has really done an amazing job with the vaccines, with learning about it. There's so many things that have happened that are really good, yet it's going to be with us for some time. And we've changed our behaviors. You know, just like I go through the airport, I still wear a mask, but like hardly anybody else does. Yeah. Uh, 
And you'll see that in different countries, like Canada was very different than the United States, as was the EU. When you travel on planes in Canada, you still see a lot of people with masks on. Here in the U.S., not as many, obviously. So it's just kind of a different game. Yeah. But but everybody's gotten a lot better at this, a lot more comfortable. And so we're not like, you know, sheltering in place anymore, which is great. My mom has COVID right now, by the way, 92 yeah. years old. Yeah. And so uh, she's cruised through it and I think is out at the other end now. And we'll good, be good. from captivity shortly back into yeah. the, uh, back into the wild with the rest of the people in her residence. But I can see how, especially the reason why seniors are so affected is because they don't even understand the danger. People came and visited her inside her unit when she was sick with COVID and they had just gotten over COVID. It's like, people, this is why you got it twice, you know, in such a short period of time. Anyway, so, and by the way, I want to back up to something here in Canada. I don't, I forget who our governing body is. They have declared we are in a recession. And did we not have really, really, really cheap money available to us from loans and mortgages and things like that for a long period of time? Like, what do you think is considered ridiculously cheap money versus the interest rates that are happening right now? Right. So, I mean, Canada's had a problem with housing for quite some time. There's just not enough of it, to be honest. But then, I mean, for low income, for especially, and in the United States is the same way. The demand for housing is is pretty extraordinary. But if you want to jumpstart an economy that's struggling, the central bank has a couple of tools that it can use. The first thing it does is, is cut interest rates aggressively. And the United States and Canada basically cut to zero. Well, if you do that, that's great for a while. But if it's if it's accompanied with a big amount of fiscal spending, you really run the risk of generating inflation if you don't see the signs for it and aggressively move back the other way. Right. It's a temporary measure that should be used only temporarily, not for an extended period of time. And that's where I think the United States got in a lot of trouble is that literally a year ago, our central bank knew it had inflation that was going up. We knew we had 5% GDP growth. There was no reason for us to keep interest rates as low as they were. Right. So they waited way too long. Historically, this is what they do. They make this mistake and then they rush to try to catch up. So it's playing out pretty much what we thought. So when it comes to you know housing and things like that, it was way overcooked. Now it's coming back the other way. We'll see how far down it goes. It is not like the global financial crisis. This is not going to be a banking crisis. The banks here in the United States had increased their capital levels significantly under a law called Dodd-Frank. Canada's banking system is so much more sound than the US was you know, back in 2008. I can testify to that because I worked at a Canadian bank back then. So, but, so this isn't going to be like, that's why I say this recession should be somewhat mild, but it depends on what sector you're in. So that's really kind of the case where this is going. Yeah. Do you remember when the interest rates went over 20%? I do. Yep. That was a really frightening time. And do you predict that anything like that will ever, will ever come close to anything like that again? No, because I think inflation is going to come off. We're probably at the peak of it right now. It, never say never because we don't know the outcome of the Ukraine war, but we know year over year, it will start to go down. We know the chip shortage is starting to abate. We know auto production is starting to go up. And that means if there's more cars, then prices of 
new cars start to come down, buyers step in, used car prices start to come off, and it starts to cascade that way. And transportation has been the poster child for where inflation has shown up the most. And then food, of course, because not only, well, really because of energy, more than anything, diesel prices specifically. So once those prices start to come off a bit, then it cascades through the whole economy. And that's what I I think we're going to see as the world adjusts to the situation in Ukraine. Okay. That's good to know. That feels hopeful to me that this isn't just going to keep piling on and piling on and piling on. We hold three mortgages. So, you know, I'm aware, but I'm really trying to be pretty, you know, even keeled about the whole thing, not making any knee jerk reactions. If you've got cash, by the way, it's an amazing time to invest, is it not? Yeah. I mean, it just depends on your time frame. I mean, if you're looking out 10 years, yeah. I mean, you could definitely put some money in there, but you can also look at and say, you know, there's some of these trends that are not going to disappear over time. So you may have to start to rethink, like, do I want all tech? You know, that kind of ship has sailed for right now. It doesn't mean it can't go back up 10% or something like that because it's come off 30 or 40%. So you have to be thoughtful about what you do. And when it comes to interest rates, I would say overall, you know, when you see rates move up as quickly as we have, that really it's disruptive. And so it will slow the economy. They won't necessarily come off a tremendous amount from these levels, but they'll, they won't keep going up. That's the key point that we're looking for, the inflection there. That I hope, I love, I like that. And I hope it's true. So industries, is it true that tech is laying off right now? Yeah. I mean, they're just not hiring as much. I mean, it depends on what company you're looking at, but Yes, they are. They overbuilt. And because they don't have a lot of profits, it's easy for them to get into trouble quickly if they don't have the right mix of people and technology. So there's, I mean, Meta is laying off, you know, a lot of people, they're going through a hard time. You know, even, you know, big companies like Tesla are looking at things where they can decrease their costs. A lot of firms are, are, not necessarily cutting workers per se, but they're not, they're stopping their hiring, which I think is a a smart thing to do. I know some people hate electric vehicles, but I do have a Tesla on order, (laughs) but I I heard that they are announced a new, like half price cost of a car. They have new technology and there's something new on the horizon, which I think is good news for people who want to get into electric, but can't afford the big prices. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, the run-up in the cost of the cars is really predicated upon so much of the supply chain mm-hmm. not being able to get chips. Yeah. And it was such a big part of that. So because chips are in everything. And I mean, they're in your phones, they're in your cars, they're in your refrigerator, you know, they're just everywhere. And so if we have a problem with that supply chain, then everything starts to go up because you can't produce enough of those cars. Right. So I think, I think overall, like I said, you know, you hate to see people lose their jobs for sure. And we don't want that. And maybe that doesn't happen, but we're definitely going to see, we are already seeing a much slower pattern of in the housing market. And that's really the canary in the coal mine for when you start raising rates. So overall, yes, I think we could start to see some of the more highly demanded products out there start to ease off and be able to, we know there's inventory problems with like Walmart and Target. They've already told us that. So they're, like if you think about the U.S. economy, and I'm just going to go through this really quickly. This is what I do in some of my presentations. Like prior to the pandemic, 
consumer spending was like 70% was on services and 30% was on goods. Well, if you can't spend on services, you know, if you can't go to a bar, a restaurant, you can't travel, you, you know, don't go to a hotel, you know, and you still have your job, right? All of a sudden you go, okay, well, if I'm working from home, then I need a new office. I need a new table. I need a new chair. I need an iPad for my son who's going to school. All of those. <laughs> yeah. A phone, right. All of those things are goods and you start to bump up the demand for those goods. Well, globally, everybody was doing the same thing. So the supply chains couldn't handle it. Now, what we saw this past summer is we're starting to see that shift the other way. People went on vacation. They went to bars, restaurants, concerts, all of those things, which is great news. So as I said at the very beginning, it depends on where you sit in the economy. If you're on the good side of things, you're probably feeling like the world is falling in. If you're on the services side, you're going, I need to hire more people. So it's just fascinating to see. It is fascinating. Okay, so let's do a lightning round. And I want to hear about various industries, like let's, so I'm thinking about if you want to target these industries as a speaker, you know, is it a good time or not a good time? So we think tech is kind of like shaky right now, right? So maybe not tech. The big companies will be fine, but you know, the, the smaller ones will struggle. What about insurance? Yeah, I mean, insurance is still pretty robust, I would say. So I, I like that other than the hurricane in Florida. Oh, yeah, that's a big, big problem. Uh, banking? Very robust. Now that interest rates have gone up, they're making more money because of the spread between where they can borrow and where they can lend. Okay, so we'll put that over the whole financial services uh, sector. Healthcare? Yeah, healthcare, it's just very consistent. It's probably, you know, nothing great, but it's just consistent. Okay. Associations. Do you think they're coming back? Like they struggled during COVID. I'm sure most of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, like I've been on the road for like, you know, since the fall of 2020. And Mm -hmm. I mean, 2021, I was doing a bunch with associations. The thing was, there's some of them that are very cautious in the way that they approach. Most of those, my experience this year has been that they're opening up and having their conferences in 2022. So really so much of that is going to be driven by how this fall looks with COVID and whether people not feel comfortable with that. But I think the protocols will be in place to be fine with that. But to me, associations came back strongly this year. Good, good. Agriculture. I know you speak to some agriculture associations. Super busy. I mean, one of the best ones out there just because A, they need help with all the volatility that's going on, but B, you know, what they're selling is what everybody needs. So food, right? So, okay, you know, it's, it's a good what, place. To- what is the sector that I didn't mention yet? That's important to note. Energy. Energy. I was just going to oh. say mining. Okay. Yeah. Those two are related, obviously. Um, yeah. I think, you know, there was a big move into green energy. Now that's mm-hmm. getting dialed back a little bit. Yeah. I think the old, what, you know, fossil fuels, uh, hydrocarbons, those are still super important. And so they're obviously making a lot of money at the prices that are out there. So they're still robust. Okay. Well, listen, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. I'm calmer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Our listeners are calmer as well. We don't want Jane to be calm. That's, that's the goal here. freaking out, then everybody. No, that's not true. And, but I did freak out at the beginning of COVID until I spoke to you. Oh, okay. You did help calm me down. I also remembered, hey, wait a second. People need me now more than ever. And I cruised through COVID, probably had my best year ever. 
during COVID. So I think that that's important to note. And and let's really work on our mindset. If watching the news makes you anxious, then look at your intake and scale it back. That's what I've been doing lately. That's my number one solution is don't let the news alarm me as much, especially first thing in the morning every day. That's not a good way to start my day. No. And just remember that there's a phrase in media, and I, I will say this, but it's terrible. But if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. And that is, you know, if there's a fire, that's the first thing local news goes to, for sure. If they're blowing up something in the Ukraine, that's the first thing they're going to go to. They're going to make it sound like it's so much worse than it is. Yes. I'm not downplaying these things. These are really important issues, for sure. And just remember, there's a lot of good that happens in this world that you don't see. There's a lot of people working on helping each other that you don't see. There's a lot of, believe it or not, there's a lot of smart people in both the Canadian government and the US government that are working to do good things. I know that's hard to believe, yeah. but I will tell you from my experience in government, it that was probably the biggest surprise I saw. So there's good things that are going on. So, so just temper what you hear with the knowledge of that. That's really good. And I just want to send some heartfelt you know, knowledge that what we've been talking about are really first world problems. If you have a roof over your head, like the people in Florida, Fort Myers do not right now, be grateful. If in Hurricane Fiona actually really did a number up here in Canada as well. If you're not being bombed on a daily basis, be grateful. Like there's so much that we can really be grateful for. And I really want to send out some heartfelt prayers for people who are struggling right now. You know, I think COVID took a real knocked back mental health in a big way. And mm -hmm. I think that that's something that people, we just all need to be really aware of and maybe uh, go hug somebody today. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I heard a great sermon the other day when they were talking, they made this quote about how we're coming out of the pandemic right now and kind of reopening up, but we're coming out with not with no energy reserves, meaning like personal energy reserves, we're yeah. way low on those. Yeah. And so you need to start to think about building those back up. And I think one of the best ways to calm yourself down is just to do something for somebody else, oh. help somebody else out, you know, just be a resource for somebody or, you know, call up a family friend or whatever, you know, just yeah. do something outside that's not for you, that's for someone else. And it will make you feel a lot better. I guarantee it. That's a great place to close, Andy. <laughs> so much for being here again with us. The great Calmer Downer. I appreciate you and I appreciate those who are listening in. And I'm hoping that this helped you, you know, create a little balance in your thoughts about what's coming. Thanks again, Andy. We'll, with that, we're going to say, see you soon, wealthy speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.